Before we dive into this powerful episode with Weston Paul, the Director of Business Development at Mountain Tough Fitness Lab and fellow ultra runner, I want to first tell you about our sponsor. You know I take my running fuel seriously and I'm very intentional with it. That's why I was ecstatic when I found 2 Before Performance Nutrition. 2 Before is a New Zealand-based company on a mission to help elite and everyday athletes thrive in their chosen sporting endeavors through the power of one smart berry, the New Zealand Black Current. You can say goodbye to synthetic stimulants, jitters, and crashes that often come with your typical pre-workout powders or gels and say hello to natural plant-based pre-workout made from blackcurrant berries. Blackcurrants are science-backed and benefit-packed berries that have been proven to increase endurance, speed up muscle recovery, and strengthen immunity. I started incorporating two before into my pre-run fueling routine before a hard speed workout or a long run, and I can truly feel the difference. I feel like I can sustain faster paces and push harder for longer during my workouts or races. It also helps speed up my recovery significantly. Use my code JMiller for $10 off your order at twobefore.com. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Miller. Every week, I chat with fascinating people from all walks of life in order to bring you knowledge, inspiration, and insight. If you enjoy the show, you can support it by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing it with a friend. This is the Jeremy Miller Podcast. I remember growing up in Wyoming, like it was seemed like every summer there was just like that apocalyptic smoke that would roll in from Canada or Montana right. or even like right. in Casper, like we had that little that little range and in, in right in front of the town and like even that would have a fire every few years. It's uh it sucks. Like I mean sometimes the, the air quality is so bad you can't even go outside. Like you don't want to exercise exactly. outside because it's just so bad. Yep. Like, well, I mean, it's been, yeah, pretty common August since I've been in Montana, August and then into September to have like, I mean, really, really big fires either close to Bozeman here um, or just at, you know, on the Continental Divide, say, in like Idaho, Montana. And I'm like, that stuff will roll in and we'll have like ash on like our, on our cars. Um I was Jeez. like, like the, you know, the rut, the big race in big sky, there's like a big mm. um, race in big sky and it's been several years. And I was like, my wife and I slept at a friend's place up there on their porch in our sleeping bags. And the smoke was so bad. I remember waking up and then having to like brush the ash off of my sleeping bag. But I'm like, the race still went on, but it is definitely not healthy for you to be running in oh that Oh my stuff. gosh. That's a, that's a running is like an ultra or I guess I don't know yeah. that race. It's a, you should look it up. The, the rut is a really, really phenomenal ultra. They have, um, like a 50 K 28 K it runs multiple days. They have a vertical kilometer. Um, it's like, it's, it's really spectacular. Um, thousands of people show up for it. Um, and it runs like all around big sky, the resort, um, the 50 K and the 28 K and the, the vertical kilometer go to the top of Lone Peak, um, which is, yeah, like this, just big pyramid of a mountain out of the, it comes out of the blue. Like there's not any other mountains really that close to it, but you end up running around the resort and awesome, like they have a great course. Um, and then, yeah, it winds you down, takes you back up and you climb, this ridge called Bone Crusher to the top of Lone Peak, and then you descend off Lone Peak and continue running the race. And it's it's Damn. epic. It's epic to say the least. That's... Like there's like cables and stuff going up Bone Crusher 
that if you like if you wanted to hold on you could um it's really exposed um yeah super super great race have you uh, yeah have you done that race before yeah oh my yeah gosh. what's I've, the what did you say uh, the distance was on it they got a 50k um 50K. and then a 28k and I think this year I didn't look. They have like they used to have an 11k, but I think they do like a 13k or something like that, um, and then a vertical kilometer, which is like from the base of the resort. You start and you just go to the top of Lone Peak, which is it's really fun. So in an hour, say, of your time, you're like way down in the bottom and you make it all the way to the top of Lone Peak, and then you ride the tram because it's a ski resort. So you ride the tram back mm. down off of Lone Peak. Um, so it's a, it's a really special race. They do like a trifecta. If you do the vertical kilometer, the 28 K and the 50 K would be like the trifecta, um, over the weekend, which not a lot of people do, Dude, but, that's, um, yeah, that, the, the that run, sounds like fun. it is, it's, I've never like run in Europe or anything like that, but I think it has a lot of that feel. It used to be mm-hmm. one of the Skyrunner, I don't know, qualifiers or whatever they, whatever they are. Um, and it's got that same feel because so many people show up and you appreciate like small town, like trail runs and stuff for just being just that, like, it's like local hometown, like, you know, like pretty low key, but this one's just so special because of like the buzz in the air. Cause everyone, it's usually over labor day this year. They moved it for, I think they moved it, um, like two weeks because of construction at the resort is my understanding. So it's like middle of September. Um, like the elk are bugling. Like it's just, it's really, really special. Um, usually on Labor Day, the weather's pretty good, but uh, it could snow like September. Like I'm like <laughs> there's been years where it's, it's snowed. Um, this year, the being like the second week of, um, or into the second week of September, I don't know. We'll see. It could be. It could be on the fence of whether or not it snows, and they have to reroute the course because it gets pretty epic out there for sure. Yeah, dude. That's one of my favorite parts about ultras and mountain stuff is like the the unpredictable aspect of it. Like you have mm-hmm. no clue <laughs> what's gonna happen, what the weather's gonna do. Like when you're up at like nine, ten thousand feet elevation, like the weather can change on a dime. Like it could start snowing, it could start raining, hailing, whatever it is. Like. I love that aspect of it because it's like it's a metaphor for life, right? Like, you yeah. you don't know what could happen one one day to the next. Like, you just got to be ready for anything and everything. And it's it's such a good analogy for that kind of stuff. Um, what a what got you into like all this mountain stuff originally? Like, have you always been a, a mountain guy? Like, spending time in the mountains. I I grew up in South Dakota, like in the Black Hills, um, right by Mount Rushmore. Like my my mom, yeah, I grew up in this like same house. My mom still lives in the same house that I grew up in, um, and we just had like like a lot of timber and like we had this big canyon behind our property. It wasn't on our property, but we would get to go and just I don't know hike around, make forts, like scale cliffs. Um, so it was just like right outside my back door. Um, so growing up, I was always out there. I was always out in this canyon, um, just like being a little mountain man. And I think like the influence of um, the old like Man from Snowy River and like some of those mo- older movies, you know, I'm 41. So I'm like that. Yeah. VHS. I, I don't know that movie. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, 
it's in Australia. It's really good too, or I think it's really good. But um, but yeah, we had horses, and so like out, outdoor activities were really encouraged um, too in my family. And then just having those like woods in you know in our backyard um, was awesome because I had like moccasins. I mean, I like. I, I would try to sneak around the woods, and it wasn't just—it wasn't because I, was, I wanted to hunt or do anything like that. It's just because I just admired those people from those movies that I would watch. And um, and as I got older, the Black Hills is like a—it's a mecca for sport climbing. Um, like there's some of the like the best routes in the world, sport routes um, in the world. So in high school, I climbed a ton. Um, yeah, me and one of my like really good buddies. Um, we like, we would climb a ton and then we would start, we started taking trips to the Bighorns and backpacking trips. And so I, you know, like at an early, I don't know, pretty early age in my opinion, you know, South Dakota had a driver's license when you were 14. So I had pretty, a lot of freedom too. So we were going to the Bighorns and going backpacking and going, uh, you know, up to the top of Cloud Peak and, and then little by little I come to Montana um, to ski, just like family ski trips or um, whatever it might be. So I would say the Black Hills were like my incubator to go into the Bighorns, which like caused me to love the mountains like so much. Like I have, yeah, a, a huge appreciation for the Bighorn Mountains. And then when I got to Montana, I was, I remember I was like, the sky is bigger. And it's like the tagline, like big sky country, you know, and like you could like drive across the border of Wyoming into Montana. And I'm like, it's bigger. I think it's bigger. Um, so having that like sort of feeling about the mountains here, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go to college in Montana and ski. Like the, that was pretty much the long and short of it. I'm like, I'm just going to go ski. And so I was, it was like either Montana State University or um, I got a little flyer in the mail for Rocky Mountain College, which is this little liberal arts school. And so my mom and I like came up to check out Montana State and then we checked out Rocky Mountain College and Rocky just had like this good feel about it. I went to like a huge high school in South Dakota, we had, like 2,200 kids. And so we were like cattle, you know, like you get out of class and you just get in line <laughs> and like, and like go to the next class. And so Rocky, just being small, I was like, that's where I want to go. And like somehow I like landed um, on the ski team at Rocky. It was a complete like fluke or by the grace of God, really. Um, I didn't race or anything growing up, but I skied a bunch too. And so I met the ski coach at Rocky um, because one of the people when I was getting a tour, like you should go talk to the ski coach. Like they need skiers. And so I completely just lucked out. I, I went and talked to the ski coach. It was his first year. He didn't have time to recruit any like team members. Um, he had some of them that were still in school, but he didn't get time to recruit. So he had like this budget, the scholarship budget and it, like, no joke. He's like, you ski? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you ski pretty good. And I'm like, I think so. Yeah. My mom was there and she's like, he does. <laughs> he skis really good. Um, you know, vouching for me. And he's like, you want to be on the team? And I was like, I'd love to be on the team. Like I wanted to come to Montana to ski. Like that was the thing. I want to spend time in the mountains and ski. And so, um, so he's like, yeah, if you want on the team, I'll give you a scholarship. And, uh, I like, like no joke. I'm I, one of the first, uh, kids that I met at college. It's a kid from Chicago. He's one of my best friends now. Um, he had skis on the top of his car 
and it was a Volvo. And I, and I just remember, I'm like, I, I got done with that interaction with the ski coach. Jerry Wolf was his name. Um, and, uh, and I went out to the parking lot and I saw Dustin. And I was like, you got to go talk to the ski coach because, <laughs> because they need people. And so Dustin, this inner, like he grew up in Chicago, like, like, but he, but he loved to ski. Um, and his family, yeah, he was a good skier too. He got on the ski team. So it was like me and Dustin and like all these really good skiers. And so in four years, um, we had like this really awesome experience and got a race. We got to ski giant slalom and slalom, things that we hadn't done before. But in four years, we learned that quite well. And it was like really impactful on me just because my skiing went like to the place that I wanted it to go, you know, for a long time. So, um, but yeah, we were, we're kind of like moving from South Dakota, um, you know, the Black Hills and then the Bighorns. And if you keep going, you know, northwest, you're going to run into the Beartooth Mountains. And so that's where we spent our time as a ski team. We skied at Red Lodge. And then, like, literally when you ride to the top of Red Lodge, um, the resort, and you look, it's like Silver Run Plateau and the Beartooth and, like, all these peaks. And you can't quite see Granite Peak, which is the tallest point in Montana, but you know it's out there. And so, like my friend group in college, both skiers and then just people I met, um, they were just mountain people too. And so we would just spend like all of our extra time in the Beartooth in particular um, in the wintertime. Like we were skiing, we were traveling all over the place to different resorts and skiing. But um, in the shoulder seasons and the summer, of course, it was like, what can we do to get into the Beartooth? So like just all over, whether it was ski mountaineering, um, climbing those peaks, um, or just like simply backpacking, has like just covered the bear tooth. So it was really special, like four years for me to be like, yeah, it's a, it's an hour from Billings, and we were there for Dryland tra- or not for Dryland training, but for our regular ski season training. Um, so we just got to immerse ourselves in the bear tooth, and there's like nobody in the bear tooth, like. I mean, they're just big and gnarly, and there's a short window of time that you can navigate them without snow. So we were constantly just, yeah, it's like, what what can we go do? What can we go get shut down on? What can we try to climb uh, or summit? And so, yeah, that's just, just to increase my love for the mountains. And then, yeah, after college, ended up moving to, to Bozeman and kind of didn't know what I think I told you too, when you were out here, I was like, I almost moved to Texas. My wife and I almost, maybe I didn't tell you that, but my wife and I almost uh-uh. moved to Texas. Yeah. We, she, uh, she's an equine science major in college. And so we didn't really have like a, you know, a plan. We were like, we're going to get married and then we'll figure it out. So we're, we we're more than likely going to go to Texas so she could train horses. Um, cause that's, that's the place for that for sure. Right. And, um, and then I got a job in Bozeman and we were like, the people were just like so nice here. Like that's what sold us. This is like 2006. Right. Um, and so it wasn't really on our radar, but I got a job and we we're like, well, let's stay in Bozeman. We can keep skiing and doing what we like love to do here. Although I was ready for an adventure in Texas too. I was like, yeah, let's, let's go for it. So, um, and we've been here since. So like, Yes, the mountains here, the Beartooths aren't that far away. Still make it to the Beartooths a lot, but um, yeah, I just continued to ski. And then um, my wife actually, 
with her friend group. She started running. This is like a number of years. This is a long answer to your question of why I love the mountains. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I, I, I love hearing all this. <laughs> but I, uh, she started running with her friend group, and they started running um, the Ragnar races. And they'd run like, I don't know, local like half marathons. And Bozeman has a really great running community. Like it's just ingrained in the DNA of Bozeman. Like, yeah, people run here. Like it's just, it's really, really cool and special. So there's like, yeah, Thursday night brew runs and this, that and everything. Um, But she started running those with her friend group and they were all like, they were training and they'd go and they'd run. Those Ragnar races are like, you get a van and then everybody does like their their leg of the race and then the next person goes and they start and they run for i don't know 24 48 hours they they just keep running um just to kind of in a rotation and uh and i went to one of them that they had in um i think it was idaho that they were doing and i was just like really blown away about like how positive and encouraging that environment was and i was like and i like growing up too, like I love the, the mountains and I loved walking, but I had asthma. So I was like, I was always the guy who got out of mm. the mile run because I was on inhalers. And I think it was like allergy induced asthma really. Cause I ended up growing out of it when I went to college, but mm. I'm like, I never ran. I was like, I never got the president's physical fitness, like blue badge. Like, cause you would get these badges back in the day. And I always get we never had the uh, the president's physical uh, fitness no? test, whatever it was called. We we never had that. No, it's uh, <clears throat> I don't know when it stopped, but I just remember there was like there was like a stretching one, like how far you could reach past your toes, and then I think there was like push ups and pull ups and uh, maybe sit ups, and then there was the mile run, and you had to run the mile under like seven thirty or something like that, um, and if you did all that stuff, you get like this blue patch. Um, and if you didn't do all those, you get like a red patch. And so I always got the red patch. Like I'd always get the red patch because of running. (laughs) And so I'm like, I never cared to run at all, but seeing that environment with my wife and her friends and just, yeah, like how everybody just like lifted each other up. I was, I was like, there's something to that. Like, like it, 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 you know, got my, my interest, um, for sure. And I literally grew out of um, asthma when I got to college. So I could like start running for dryland training and stuff, although I hated it. And, but I'm like, I, would, I could run and I didn't have to have an inhaler. So I was like, I'm like, I kind of started getting curious. And then a couple of my wife's friends were running a trail race out here. And, uh, and they were like, with my curiosity, they, they were like, you should do it. Like, I'm like, I don't. Like, I don't, I don't know, like, like running, like you, do you run like that far? It was a, it's a 38 K and, but I'd seen that environment and I was just curious enough. So I literally went on one training run with them. And in one day we ran like, we ran like 17 miles. I was just like, I can't believe, and we didn't run all of it. You hike it like trail running. It's not, some people do run for the entirety but not a lot of people run for the entirety of these trail races. Um, Those but, people are Courtney DeWalter. <laughs> Courtney DeWalter, yeah. Like there is the the person about that it. runs <laughs> for the entirety of it. I'm like Killian Jornet or somebody, some people <laughs> like that. So it's a misconception when people say trail running because it's a lot of trail walking. But 
but I was I was like I can't believe we went that far like that's so much further than you go in a day of backpacking or a day of hunting or whatever um and then I signed up for the race and went and did it and it's you know not a marathon whatever 23 miles um but I but I like was completely devastated like I literally I've never like chafed before like I've I experienced oh. things that I like I'm like you just can't even like you can't make this stuff up I ran like I did one training run and then I did a 38k and <laughs> like my my body where like my upper body was like all these little like bumps like water blisters almost because my I just never sweated that way with the t-shirt on before you know in that short amount of time and and I'm like I had chafing in places that I was like I can't this is what is up with this but it was I was hooked immediately like crossing the finish line of that race I was just like this I got to do this like I got to dive in full force like this is so cool there's a lot to learn I mean I couldn't I literally couldn't walk after it I was like my my knees hurt so bad um but I was just like I I know I can like figure it out and like the the people cheering and like the like high fives and hugs and all that stuff at the end just totally hooked me. Um, I just love that sort of positive environment. And I mean, I just went on a tangent after that. Like I was, I, it took me a long time to walk. My IT man on my right side was like, like toast, like completely toast. So I was, I'm so like stubborn that I'm like, I went to my buddy who's a PA and I'm like, could you give me a cortisone shot? Cause I'm like, I didn't, I need to like fix this IT band because I'd Google searched enough and I, I was just like, and that's not the thing you should do at all. I wouldn't tell anybody like <laughs> go off the couch and devastate yourself, but it is a good way to like, be like, all right, like now I'm, I would like to figure this out and I'd like to dive into the details and become a student of it for sure. Um, so, so I got a cortisone shot from him. He did that for me and I was like, now I can walk, you know? Um, and then I just like started on a, a training plan of sorts, but I would, I would go to the gym at, you know, fuel fitness in Bozeman, like pretty much every morning, always like kind of my dry land training from college. I like, kind of took that same philosophy and would go and just stay in shape so I could do, you know, what I wanted to, when I wanted to. And there was a trainer there, Jimmy also Brooke, and he is kind of, he is really well known in Bozeman, but just like the nicest guy. And so if you tell him like what you're doing, he was always one to be like, all right, here's what you need. He'd give you sort of a plan, um, an informal plan, just because he geeks out on helping people out. And, uh, and so I love I people just, like I, that. Dude, he's like, he'd just like come over. He's like, Weston, here's what you need to do now. And I, and, and so I just like would listen and learn. And I, kind of knew some people that ran the course my wife's friends group but they ran a lot of roads and stuff so not necessarily trail runners um and then i just signed up that next summer i signed up for like every race like i was running a race like every three weeks i was like i'm just gonna do all of it <laughs> and uh and it was awesome i'm like i just i mean i completely devastated myself again my left it band then went and I was just like, because I, I did my PT and stretching and stuff on my right one. I got that cortisone shot. And then I went back to my buddy and got another cortisone shot on my left IT band because I was like, I have to run like I have to run the ridge run, which is 
the Bridger Mountains, there's a, a race here. It's like pretty famous in Bozeman. It just runs the length of the Bridger Mountains. And uh, I went to my buddy and he's like, Weston, like, you can't wing it. You know, I'm like, what was I, late, late 20s, I guess. He's like, you can't wing it. You're getting older. Like, you got to like, I'm like, oh, I am. Like, I am training and doing this. But learning about time on your feet running um, and like what sort of like stretching and mobility you need to do was one of the things that I was getting better at, but I wasn't that good. So he gave me one more. He's like, this is the last cortisone shot. He's like, you need to figure this out. So that just made me dig in even more and, you know, like dive into the IT band stuff, which there wasn't a lot of information on, but it kind of boils down to doing pigeon pose mostly for me. And then, uh, just making sure that I'm like really consistent on that, stretching that whole IT band all the way down, you know, like your lower back all the way down through your feet, honestly. Um, did you find that, uh, like glute, that glute exercises would help with your IT band too? Cause I used to have terrible IT band issues and then I would strengthen my glutes. like do like a lot of RDLs and deadlifts and stuff and the IT band stuff would go away. I was, I, I totally went on, I totally went on that path too with the glute activation and RDLs in particular. Then I ended up tearing, um, my hamstring in my, in my right side, my high hamstring from RDLs. Like I remember it like it was yesterday because I was at, I was at fuel fitness. I was doing RDLs. Jimmy was like, you got to do RDLs for for running figuring this it band stuff out and that glute activation and i just i just went too heavy like you don't have to go heavy on rdls and i went too heavy and it was before the rut then which we were talking about earlier and i just have i mean like high hamstring tear like and i have like rather large glutes so it's really hard for me to like I'm like on a softball and a piece of PVC pipe trying to like roll that stuff out. Um, Gosh. And that was, that was too, like, it's a, it's, it was a loose plan of sorts. You know, I'm just kind of dabbling in this learning from people that are around me and saying like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And, um, and strength is always like a big component, but also, yeah, having somebody actually say like, don't go over this weight would be a good thing for a person like me who is like, oh yeah, I'll just go for it. Like <laughs> kind of, kind of wing it sort of. Um, but I know I need to do it, but I totally tore and I did a little bit on my left at the same time. Dang. I was like, man, so, so like two, two whole <laughs> years best for a little band. bit. <laughs> yeah. I'm like two whole years of IT band and then high hamstring. But the thing about a lot of this stuff is too, is like, um, like it's not like so debilitating. You you start learning that you need to take time off and you need to heal, which is like one of the biggest things I think for anybody in fitness to recognize is like it's okay to rest. It's okay to let your body recover because we're we're driven like just enough to be like no, it's okay. Like it's okay. Like I'll be fine. I'll run through it. Like even getting a cortisone shot, like in hindsight, is a, is a really silly thing to do. Um, like you don't need that. It's gonna. It's not good for you in the long run. Um, 
but for a person like me, it's kind of like beating me over the head with a with a you know cast iron skillet. Like, hey, like you gotta you gotta you gotta get a little smarter about this, man. So, um, so all those pieces, I'm like, I I don't want to like stop. I still want to run the race. So I'd like toe that line between just being like injured and not really fully functioning to like I gotta do this, which is. Which is important in some ways, but also sometimes you'd be, be like, if I were to tell myself, hey, like, don't, you don't need to do the race. Like, what are you trying to prove? You know, like, I mean, like, take your time off, get recovered. If you want to do this in the long run, for the long term, then here's some of the pieces that you should do. And I think a lot of it comes down to, like, now you would, you would get a coach. And you would have somebody who has all that experience. Like for me, I'm like, I can tell people this now. I'm not a coach or anything like that. But I can tell people like, hey, like ease into it. Don't go off the couch. <laughs> like that's not a good idea. Um, but it is like, it is pretty cool for me to be like, I am capable of that. Like even with all of these things in the way, like I'm still capable of going and accomplishing the task. And like circling back around, it was like a big thing for me to have like a season of no injury. And once you, once you get to that, I'm like, then it's, then it's so fun because, because you can just go anywhere. Like you can go run a race if you want, you can go pace a friend at another race. Like you're just, you're really well equipped. My path just took like a, quite a few more years <laughs> <laughs> than a person who would get on an actual plan yeah. and follow that plan too through. So. Yeah, that's a good point of like, I think there is kind of a time and place where you want to push yourself like that because, you know, like when you're first getting into something like running, like you don't really know where your limits are. And like, if you are a person like yourself, who's obviously like, you've got the discipline and motivation and like, you're willing to keep pushing forward, even though you've got all these roadblocks in front of you. Like it's, I think it's important to kind of sometimes at least once or twice get to the point where obviously you're not causing like a long-term injury or or where it's going to, you know, screw you up forever but like you know and some it band issues isn't going to kill you it, it just takes time to heal it up but like mm-hmm. without doing that like you wouldn't have found your limits and like you wouldn't right. have you know opened some of these these doors to like oh i can actually do these things if i want to i just need to figure out how to be smarter about it right yeah. so i think uh i don't know man i love that that's a that was uh dude i love hearing people's origin stories and it makes so much sense now like <laughs> all the things that you do and like why you run hundreds and why you're like so involved in all this mountain stuff. It makes sense. Cause you're like born and bred in the mountains. You've always been outside, always been doing like physical things. Yeah. So I just love hearing stories like that. Um, well, how did you, uh, or how long did it take you to get from that first, you said it was like a 38 K or something until yeah. your first hundred miler. Um, that took, yeah, 38 K was probably in 2000. What was I? I I'm terrible. Uh, about time like 2010 yeah yeah 2010 because we hadn't had a kid yet 2009 or 2010 and then I ran a hundred mile 100 miler in 2018 so yeah okay, eight so years nice I I like which one uh was that go ahead big bighorn yeah I ran okay. bighorn I think in 2018 and I, I have to go back and look at like my like run sign up stuff sometimes too, because I'm like I got I'm like it just all gets mixed together for me. But it took a long time. I 
I loved the trail running. I loved like the longer distances and seeing that I'd heard about people running a hundred milers and I'm like, that's, that's really silly. Like, why would you do that? And, um, along this like running path, um, one of my, one of my good buddies is really influential and I work with him now. His name's Eric Peterson. Um, he would go and run these like just mountain runs with his buddies and they would go through like this really cool country in a day. And it was like one of my ulterior motives to like get invited on, on one of these runs with them. So like in my, in my training, and it took me literally like three years to get an invite with these guys, um, for them to say, Hey, do you, Weston, do you want to go and run this one day with us? Um, and, uh, and I'm like, I'm like, I told my wife that day when I got like the call, like Eric's like, do you want to go with us to the Black Canyon? I was like, I made it. Like I got an invite with Eric to go on the Black Canyon run, which is into Yellowstone. And it's like, I'd heard about it for quite a while. Like they'd go and do it and then show me a picture here and there. And his group of buddies, one of the guys in that group in particular, uh, his name's Kevin Davis. And he's like, he's like a absolute phenom like he's just um one of those people that like instantly i'm like i have like uh, a lot of respect for you and i'm in admiration of what you do because he's like a really awesome really really awesome husband um a fantastic father and um he also runs like a ton of hundreds and so i uh i in running with him, like on that first run, um, I, I formed a relationship with him and then I got to pick his brain about running and like his tactics and all of that. And, um, then he invited me, um, in 20, I think it was 2017 to pace him at hard rock. So like over that period of time, oh, um, nice. just like getting to see him. And when I went to hard rock, um, I was like, after that experience, I'm like, I have to run a hundred because hard rock is that the buzz and the community, um, it just like solidified it for me. I was like, I'm running a hundred now based on this experience. Like I was so blown away about hard rock that I was like, I really have to run a hundred now. And, and I would like to run hard rock at some point in my life. Although to probably, I'll probably be, you know, 60 um, by the time that happens, but, <laughs> but I, I just went on that path of like, I, I have to run hard rock, uh, or I have to run a hundred and I would like to run hard rock because it was, it's unbelievable. It's like one of the coolest events when it comes to mountain running or mount, mountain recreation in general. Um, it's the biggest mountains. It's arguably one of the toughest races that's out there. And just like the people, like, at the end of Hard Rock, it's a 48-hour cutoff. All the people that finish, like, Jeez. like first come back, and they, they cheer on the last-place finishers, which is, like, heartbreaking because somebody will come in, like, you know, a minute after the cutoff, and, like, they, they don't get a finish technically, but they still finish. But there's those people still cheering them on. And that's really un unique in sporting uh, events, I think, um, to have somebody who is the best, like, turn around and come back and cheer on someone who is finishing, you know, like in twice the amount of time. 
really. Arguably much more difficult than finishing the race in 24 hours is finishing the race in 48 hours. Like, that's far more difficult. You oh, know? 100%. Like, it's like, but, but that, that whole experience for me, I was like, yeah, I got to do it. So I was like, sign me up. I'll do that. And I, you know, 100-mile races, they are, they tend to be all-consuming, like I'm, I'm did that and I did one other one then in 21 and I was like, they just take over. Like they, even though you don't want it to, like when you start, when I started running, I was like, it's so simple. Like I don't need anything, just a pair of shoes and you know, like some water and some <laughs> trail mix, you know, that's um, the biggest lie everybody tells It me. is <laughs> like, next thing you know, like I'm my son, I remember one time in the grocery store, it was like. Yeah, he was like, he wanted something in the checkout line, some candy or something. And I was like, no, you can't get that. Like, and he's like, you always get what you want. And I'm like, I'm buying groceries. He's like, no, you always buy running shoes. I was like, well played. Like, that's fair. <laughs> His observation of me was buying more running shoes. Cause yeah, you get, you get sucked into that and you're like, I need this pair for this and this pair for this and this pair for this. And so it gets, it gets bigger than what you initially think. Well, a lot of things do. Like that, they're gonna take more work than you you initially think. And hundreds are that way for me. And it's not like you have to, you know, for me, like I have to do one every year. But it is something where I'm like, I do have it on my list. Like I I would like to do this one down the road. But I'm not gonna let running take over my life so much so that my what my kids are interested in or what my wife wants to do is taking a backseat to my running. Like I'm like, I, I do know that. And that's a lot to Kevin Davis, who I was talking about and just seeing him with his interactions with his family, because as his daughters got older, he started removing the hundred mile races from his agenda and his docket to coach soccer, you know, for his daughters, because that is really much more important. You know, they saw him, they got to cheer him on. And the same with my kids, they've got to see it. I think it's good to set an example. And it's fun. It's fun personally for me when my son's like, you hear him, uh, or both of them say like, yeah, my dad's run a hundred miles before. I was like, you know, like that makes my heart happy that that's impactful on them. Like they know that that's a long ways to run. And I hope that one day they do that just or if they want to, they just, they draw on that even like, I'm like, because we can push ourselves a lot further than we recognize, then a hundred miles is a, is a good litmus test for that. Cause like, I mean, it's really not that long of a period of time in the big scheme of things and life's going to throw like a whole bunch of other tough stuff at you. And you can take those lessons from running and running a hundred miles or 200 miles or running a 5k, honestly, like running's running. Um, and say like, I did that. Like now I can do this like really tough thing that's coming my way. So, yeah. I love that dude. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point you just made at the end of like, not everybody has to go run a hundred miles, but it's like, it hard is relative. It's like the, the hardest thing that you've ever done is the hardest thing that you've ever done. And that could be a 5k, that could be a mile for some people. Um, totally. but it's like yeah. continuing to push those limits and unlock these different things that, that you think that you're capable of. And I think almost always you're going to surprise yourself 
and uh, and you're always going to be able to do more. Like I was just pacing before I saw you at Crazy Mountain last weekend. I was pacing out at Tahoe 200, and one of my buddies, he's 22, and he was doing his first 200 miler, and he wanted to quit so bad at 100 oh. miles. Like he was beat mentally, physically, he wanted to quit so bad. And we like just sat down, had a talk, had to get a reset, and then he'd crush another 100 miles after that. It's like unreal. It, what the mental aspect of these things are so fascinating and it's I, I haven't run 100 miles yet i'm i'm signing up for bighorn next year which i'm i'm stoked oh. that was your first one too i didn't realize that was your first one um yeah. bighorn it's just got it's so like sentimental to me for kind of similar reasons to you where like i grew up going to the bighorns every summer and mm-hmm. uh so I, I love that part of your story as well but um what was the uh what was the other 100 miler that you did in 2021 i did uh the wyoming range 100 and was the first year oh, race you've done that one okay yeah, and it was, I it was so fantastic. Like it was like so many lessons wrapped up into one race. Um, you know, coming out of COVID, working from home, um, training like that year even for me of training was like. Uh, well, I I guess I had signed up for it in 2020, and then COVID canceled it, and then I ended up doing it in 2021. Um, that would have been yeah their first year then technically but I was like I mean I ran by myself like I it was just really interesting to like like train and do all that I'd come home you know do my work and then jet out to the mountains um so then coming it like into that race too I'm just it was just interesting because people are starting to you know, be okay. And then in the running community too, like we're all hyper-conscious of our health. Like I don't want to get sick because I don't want it to like mess with anything running wise. Like I I don't want any lung problems. Like I'm nervous about that. So like, yeah, getting back into then the, the hundred mile scene in this kind of hometown race, a first year race, there's a lot of like what ifs on a first year race. It's like, uh, even the crazy mountain hunter going last year for the first time. Um, you know, you just don't know. And I'm like, that's one of the things for me. Like that's, I chalk it up to curiosity. I'm like, I love that. I'm like, I love not knowing. I do know the route. Yes, there is a route there. You can make it across these mountains. People have for a long time. Um, so I like that kind of self-sufficient style, but even training for it, um, like it lends itself nicely to like Bozeman style of training, a lot of vert. Um, we've got, we've got that. So I'm like, I know like different from Bighorn, Bighorn, you can run a lot more of it, but this one, I'm like, it's going to be a lot of power hiking, which is in my wheelhouse. Um, and, uh, even getting ready for that race, it was in August and that weather, like it changing as we were talking earlier on too, like it can change in a moment. Um, it, it did like we were driving down there and it snowed in the wind rivers and it's, you could see the snow in the Tetons and I'm just like, Oh, this is going to be, this is going to be everything I want. Like I love, I love that when it gets gnarly, <laughs> I love just like, yeah, you know, with the right gear, just like charging and, uh, you can make it through a lot of that stuff if you are prepared. Um, and then this like storm, like really settled in. And so we got all the way to Pinedale, which is where the race is supposed to start, like the night before. And in like the pre-race meeting, they said, hey, we're changing. We're going to change the course entirely. It's going to be an out and back now as opposed to a point to point. 
So we drove all oh, the way gosh. back to the finish. And this is like, this is the night before. And so in a lot of these things too, you're like planning, you're like, what, what is this going to be? What, where do I need? Like, I have all my drop bags. I have all my crew, like all of it is like labeled and ready to go for what was going to be the normal race that just like flipped it on its head. And so the moral of the story for me is like, I think Yvonne Chouinard like talks about it. He's like, make a plan, then throw it out the window. I think that, that I probably misquoted him, but I think Yvonne Chouinard is the guy who's like, it's good to have a plan. Like it's good to have a plan and have it there, but just understand most stuff is not going to go according to plan. And this is like the perfect example. And I'm like, sweet. This now becomes Bighorn because it's an out and back. A lot of the profile was similar with more, there's more vert for sure. And these climbs are going to be pretty gnarly. Um, now that I have to do these ones in the latter half two times. Um, and I'm not going to get to see as much of the mountains as I wanted to see. Like that was probably the hardest part for me. I was like, oh, I want to see that whole stretch. Um, but they, they, they changed it. Like I'm like, adjusted, moved drop bags around, figured out everything with my crew and where they needed to be, kind of simplified it in some ways for them a little bit. Um, although they're driving around this mountain range, like a lot. Um, and, uh, and it was just like the first part of the first half of the race, I would say for me was pretty decent weather. Like there was snow up top and then like another round of storms just like settled in for the second half. And it was, it was gnarly. Like, I mean, from lightning, rain, snow, hail, like everything. Um, I've never been so close to getting struck by lightning before, but there was one point where you had to go up to this fire lookout station. You had to get a postcard. That's how they knew you were going to, you were at that station. <laughs> like you did that leg of the race. So you had to bring okay. that postcard back with you. And I'm like, my buddy, Nick English he ran crazy this year. Um, he, uh, he was pacing me in that section and AP paced me actually for like 40 miles. Um, and I, I probably, if it was not for the gear that I was wearing, like the rain gear that I was wearing. Um, and then Nick as a pacer, I'm like, I would have bailed. Cause I was like, it was really, really tricky as far as like hypothermia. A lot of people were like, there was a, a lot Jeez. of people um, pulling out of the race just because like the elements were so bad. But Nick and I were just like buttoned up and really ready to go. So we'd go through an aid station and they're like, you look like pretty good. Like, are you going to keep going? Yeah, we're going to keep going. And they were cutting people too if they, you know, like medically, like they were in rough shape. Um, and so we just kept charging and it just kept raining and kept raining. And then there's this evening section I don't know, like 70-ish miles in, and Nick is just in front of me, and he's just yelling, hey, bear, like, hey, bear, and it's, like, really thick and overgrown, <laughs> and when it rains, it just, like, it even gets, like, like even tighter, it seems like, and he's just, like, whack, whacking bushes with his pole, and we're just, like, cruising through, and I'm, like, I, I can't really talk, man. Thanks for saying, hey, bear, like, but I'm just, like, trying to make my way, um, and the course too, like since it was supposed to be a point to point, the way that they marked the course was in one direction. So a lot of those flags and stuff didn't work in the other direction. So coming in, you didn't, you couldn't see a lot of the course markings. 
Um, and then there's a lot of off trail too. And so it was really hard to navigate. Like there was a lot of sections where uh, the runners, those of us that were out there, especially in the dark, were just like, where do you have it? Do you have it? You know, we're following our GPX files and stuff, but everything's a little different. I mean, I was off course for, I don't even know, probably seven miles um, at one point and oh, recognized gosh. that. Um, and then like coming back with Nick, I was just moving so slow because the the rain had just like set in and the trail was just pure water. And you could go up on the side of the trail if you wanted to, and then you'd drop back in and your feet would get so cold in the in the water. You'd I would kind of go back and forth. Um, we had like several river crossings which are like blown up in in the pitch black. And I'm just like, man, like this could get like really tricky. So Nick would go and like cross and make sure that I could cross and then I'd go and then make it across, fortunately. But the river blew up like big time. Um, and we were still just trying to find the trail at one point, like the last aid station. I'm like, we, we could see the fire in their aid station and like, we just couldn't make our way. It was all willows and alders. And like, we're like, where is the trail? There's no trail. <laughs> like, and, and we eventually did make it. We were like, cross the river, go back across. Like it was just a complete adventure. Um, and still like one of the highlights of my life for sure. But we made it to that aid station. They had like little mini burger sliders with like mustard and pickles on them. <laughs> I was like, thank you so much. And they're, they were like, we knew you were out here because there's like not very many people like in the race now at, at this point. And um, not very much communication. My wife was like, yeah, we could use our inreach and that's about it. So I'd send her an inreach and when it would go through, she would kind of find where I was. But as far as the race goes, you're pretty much out there on your own. So my wife was wondering where I was and, and, uh, I'm like, I'll, I'll make it. And it took me like, it took me 42 hours to finish oh that my race. Gosh. And it was like, I'd never hallucinated before. I never got to that point, but it was always a, like one of my things. I'm like, I would like to push myself to that point like I'd love to get out there and and uh I remember like yeah the hallucinations were crazy like at one point I was I like stutter stepped because I thought I was going to step on a like a skeleton like that was like right in the trail and I was seeing stuff off in the oh distance and I was telling my pacer this too and he's just like no way I was like yeah I'm there like I can't believe this is happening we're just we're out here and we've been out here for way too long I'm like thanks for being here with me you know um because it was really, really helpful to have a pacer um, for me. And uh, yeah, we finished, we finished, I don't know, it was like the sun was just coming up then. And I've never stayed awake for that long before, but it was really, like, it was really, really impactful for me. It was incredibly stressful for my wife. Um, pretty fun for my boys. To, they just made forts as they're waiting for dad. And um, yeah, that race, I would love to go back and do it. My wife will have nothing of it, but I will sign up for it at some point. <laughs> do the point to point. Dude, that sounds like. Yeah, it was epic. So, yeah. Dude, it sounds like such an adventure. And, and you kind of said a minute ago of like, these aren't really races a lot of times, like these hundreds. It's more of like adventure slash survival at some points where it's like, just get to the next aid station, just get to the finish line. Like, you're yeah. not really concerned about time or anything. You're just like, no. just 
get to the next point basically which is it's so fascinating um and it's i feel like 100 miles is becoming more and more normalized now like i feel like the uh the marathon used to seem at least to me the marathon used to seem so like oh my gosh you ran a marathon and now there's like moms with like five kids that go out and just run a marathon and it's it's like nothing and then now a hundred miler like i remember you could probably attest to this like i remember hearing people talk about hundreds where it's like there'd be like 20 or 30 people there to run it now it's like leadville there's yeah. like a thousand runners and that's like thousand. after the yeah. this big lottery system and stuff it's like it's becoming more normalized and i think you know people understanding how to do it better and stuff so it's, it's cool to see like how do you feel like the the trail scene because i mean you said you've been doing it since like 2010 right so how yeah. how has it grown from your perspective I I just seen like more and more adoption of it um, across the board. It it is like pretty pretty frequent when somebody finds out that you run, whether it's a marathon or anything. Like their follow up to you, like knowing that you do that, and you don't you don't usually say anything. They're just like, I can't believe you run that. Like I could never do that, and like instantly I'm like, yes, you can. I guarantee you could like, because I'm that person. Like I'm like, I had asthma and yes, I love the mountains, but I never thought I could run, even run downhill, you know, 50% of a race. Like you're going to run downhill. Like you're going to like make your way. I'm like, everyone is capable of doing something like that. Should they want to, or should it like, should they be motivated in that fashion? So I think more and more as we see other people doing it, then it's becoming, it's like a first year race, like that Wyoming range race. Um, there's a whole bunch of people that are never going to sign up for a first year race, but they might sign up then for the second year and the third year and so on. Once they see other people modeling that because it becomes possible Mm -hmm. for them in their mind. And so it's a good thing that other people are modeling it and, um, and then ushering people in and saying, yeah, come do it, come try it out. You know, like, um, you didn't think you could, but one foot in front of the other, and now all of a sudden, like you're doing this too. And it's, um, I call it uh, like manufactured hardship because because now in today's day and age, we don't have a lot of actual hardship. Like even a hundred years ago, or say 150 years ago, like um, you you may not live through the day. Um, you may not live through the week if you don't eat. Um, or if something, if you get a toothache, you know, like you, you may not live through the month if you get a toothache. So like now we're like looking for these hardships and running happens to be one of them and fitness in general, like there's a community. Um, and if you're ushered in and you become, you start feeling part of that community, it's like, there's no stopping you then because you're experiencing these sort of like hardships that yes, they are you're signing up for it. Maybe you're paying for it. Maybe you're just showing up for it, but you learn a lot of those lessons about life through doing those, you know, kind of, kind of getting yourself in that mode and committing to something and, and executing on it. Regardless, I I would say too, regardless of outcome, like, I mean, even not completing something is more valuable than completing something. Like, uh, people sit, call it failing, but I'm like, you're going to learn more from that. You're going to learn more from an injury or an upset or, um, yeah, that other, that other like 
hardship that you couldn't fathom before. You're going to learn more from that than you are from actually like crossing the line and getting a, you know, a medallion or something like that. So yeah, it's that's just, such a good point. I, I would, I, I would say like you win some and you learn some. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's a perfect way of describing it is like, it feels great to win, but you definitely learn more when you, when you lose or when you fail. Yeah. Uh, yep. and, and in my opinion, like out of all the races I've done, maybe you can, uh, relate to this too, is like, like, I don't think you ever want to finish a race or, you know, doing some big challenge and be like, Oh, I think everything went exactly to plan. Like, yeah. I, I think you want to find things that went wrong and find the things that you can improve on. Cause that's what keeps you coming back. Right. Big time. Yeah. Big time. I'm like those little, like little tweaks you can make. Cause you're like, Oh, I just want to like, it's not very often that you get like a redo on things. Like you're like, you can, I, I do this with like on a day-to-day basis with my boys, um, like going to school say, and yeah, my wife, she works in, she works in the OR at the hospital. So she like three days a week, um, she leaves super early. And so then I'm like, it's my responsibility to make sure that, yeah, oldest one gets on the bus, the younger one take to school and stuff. And there was like a period of time too, where I would like, like really hustle them. I'm like, they, I just really like put the pressure on them. Like, we got to go, we got to go, you know, like, and I would do that. And then I'm like, I want to redo, like, I, I don't want to like hustle my kids so much, but I was like, yeah, I got to get to work. And like, I got all this stuff that comes after getting you to school. And, um, and I'm like, and you, you would, you would have the next day to try to like do it better or not hustle them as much. And racing is one of those, like, as far as like, like, you're, if you do one, you're going to see all those things that you want to improve on. And then you're inevitably going to want to do another one because you're like, that's where I tested it out. And it, and then you have a period of time where you can work on all those things, like your patience <laughs> and, uh, and you can, and you, and you can make those tweaks and then you can go and do it again. And then you'll learn from that one as well. So I'm like, those, those little pieces are priceless. I, and I think, running lends itself well to that so yeah what do you think is the the hardest part about hundreds or or these mountain races is it is it the patience because i that seems like a big thing that i've had to overcome as the as my races get longer and it seems like that's one of the things i hear people talk about a lot what do do you think that's the hardest thing or, or what would you say is the the hardest thing about these i like for me it's it's yeah patience or call it pacing your pace like pace and patience like go hand in hand, I think, because um, it's like, when do I go? Like my, my buddy Kevin, he at Bighorn too, and like saying he's like, Bighorn does not stop until you hit Jaws. Like that first 50 mile, or it does not start until you hit Jaws. Like that first 50 miles is nothing. <clears throat> Don't even consider it a race. Like when you hit jaws, that's when it becomes the race. And so that's like the pace game, you know, how patient are you? Cause you start out and you're like, I feel so good. This is awesome. Everybody's running. That guy's running. That gal's running. Like, um, how, how do you go about that? Like, um, do you get sucked into that or do you go like at your speed and say, yep, I want to keep it in the tank so that I can finish strong. And so like, that's the, that's the piece for me. Not that it's the hardest, but it's like the most, it's the most interesting piece of the puzzle. 
Like I'm like, cause if you do that right, um, then you have it in the tank and you can finish strong and you can see, well, yeah, maybe I could improve. Maybe I could cut time off. I don't know when I do it again one day, like I know that I can make these little tweaks and I can push it a little bit more, you know, 30% of the way through, but then back it off again. So, and then stomach, I'm like, stomach is like, <laughs> the one. I, I'm like yeah. that, that if, if I have a successful race and my stomach didn't blow up, I'm like, or, or, it is a successful race if my stomach didn't go. Like, I'm like, yep, I, I, I did it well. My body is processing everything the way it should. I'm fueling. Um, and so for me individually, I'm like, I consider that like a, a success. So we, we all know like day in and day out, what we put in our bodies is like, it, it's really impactful and we don't necessarily key into it like in everyday life but it does like it pays off and like, like, yeah, hydrating and having good nutrition pays off like dividends in like how you feel and how moody you are and how patient you are with your kids, you know, mm -hmm. like that sort of stuff too. So you get those lessons from, from running as well. But what is yeah. your, uh, what's your like normal day to day diet look like? And then what is your race day nutrition look like? I, I like try to, we eat a lot of wild game. Like I, I love to hunt. So we like, um, primarily elk, deer, antelope. Um, nice. so we do have, we do have that red meat. Um, and then I'm, that stuff's like superfood. It is, it is. There's not any fat in it. So like there's, there's no fat. Um, so like I'm, I grew up pretty like homeopathic. My mom's really homeopathic. And so I, um, I love that sort of like, yeah, we have a garden, like we'll do that. We have a short season here, but, um, pretty well-rounded when it comes down to it. It's not like I stay away. Like my wife makes sourdough bread. Like I, I love that. I still have carbs. I've gone through periods of time where I've done like full, like keto and done all the fat burn stuff too, just as like experiments to see, but just, just well-rounded, like a good breakfast, um, a good solid breakfast, um, uh, having some good sugars, some fruit, that sort of stuff, um, is really, really helpful for me. So I'm like, we do a lot, do a lot of eggs, a little bit of carb and then good sugars, um, for breakfast and then lunch, like at work. Um, like it was, it's funny too. Cause we're, we're in, we're a fitness company, we're a fitness app. And so like, we're <laughs> sometimes our eating habits aren't the greatest, especially when we're busy. <laughs> so um, we've got, we've got like a few like factor meals. Um, we'll typically do those. So like, or, um, clean eats, um, we'll, we'll do those just so that like for the sake of time, um, we'll have those. And then like a good, good solid dinner. Like it's harder and harder too, as my kids get older to have as good of a dinner as we would like maybe in the winter time too, like days are shorter. So we're inside a bit more. Um, but typically like something good along the lines of, yeah, that healthy balance, lots of vegetables as well. So I'm like, and as far as race day goes, I'm like, I'm like really tried and true with like an elk burger, um, with some avocado and bacon. Like I'm like elk burger and then sweet potato fries. Like I'll make like a sweet potato, just dice it up and cook that. And that's like my go-to across the board. I've spent a lot of time trying like this, that, and everything. 
and I'm like, I'll forego the whole whole pasta feed because I haven't let myself eat that sort of way. Um, you know, like I'm like, then your stomach blows up. But I'm like, tried and true, like easily digestible, like same thing. And I look forward to that. Like I'll typically make like, yeah, a couple of them and have one and eat it later. Um, but like one, one of my, uh, I, one of my tricks for me too is like fueling about two weeks out from the race. I'll just take a day. And I'll do like all of my like spring energy. I'm a big fan of spring energy gels. Um, I love those. Like, yeah, like basmati rice primarily. They're just really, really good mm. all around. Um, but I'll take my, my race nutrition for that 100 miler and I'll do it like two weeks out. I'll just take a day and I'll just consume mm. like what I'm planning on eating at that race in my drop bags and everything just to make sure that my, my stomach's doing good. Um, and I, and I really like that even for shorter ultras. I'm like, I'll just do that just because I want to make sure that this stuff is all good. Um, and then, yeah, I'll typically cut out, if it's a hundred mile race. I'm like, I'll cut, I'll cut alcohol out like four months before. If it's a shorter race, I'll cut alcohol out like a month before. Um, just like nothing. I don't want it in my system. And then I'll, I don't like to, but I'll cut coffee out like a couple weeks um, prior as well, just because I'm like, I, I don't want to have any caffeine in my system. And when I do take maybe some sort of caffeine, if I do need it, I want it to be able to hit. So, and I also use it as a carrot because I know like after a race, um, I'm going to have that cup of coffee that I'm looking forward to so much. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, I, I, I do those things and that's not, I never, like looked into it too much. Those are just things for me. I was like, they're, they're really helpful for me. I'm like, I, I'm sure other people do that as well, but those are good, good little hacks that I've found. Yeah. It's like, yeah, al alcohol is like done. I don't need it anyway in day, day to day life. But I was like, I know for sure I don't want it like in my system at all. Cause you don't sleep. Like you just don't sleep as well. That sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Alcohol is poison essentially, <laughs> but uh, dude, dude, interesting. Really That's yeah, that's such a cool philosophy. I've never. I think I might have to steal that from you. Of like the, the like one day, like a couple weeks out from the race, just like go all in on your your race day nutrition. Yeah. Yep. I think that's such a. It makes so much sense, but I've never heard of anybody doing that because it's. I mean, that's got to be one of the biggest hindrances to people finishing these longer mm -hmm. races is like they just can't get food down because their yeah. their stomach's just not cooperating. But yeah. doing everything you can to make sure you're prepared from from like a stomach standpoint so i love that idea um let's chat about uh mountain tough for a minute yeah uh how did how did you get linked in with mountain tough and and uh just for anybody that doesn't know kind of give us a rundown of what mountain yeah. Tough does absolutely um yeah Mount, mountain tough we're we're a fitness app um and so like my my sister in the early days, we call it like Peloton for hunters. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, it started in 2016, um, by Dustin Diefenderfer and Dustin is one of my good buddies. I met him at uh, not that first trail race I did, but it was a couple years after that. It was at the Bangtail divide trail race. I ran up to this guy in the middle of the race and he had an Elkhorn on his shirt. And so I naturally started talking to him about hunting because I figured if he had an Elkhorn on his shirt, he was probably a hunter. And it turns out he was. And we finished that race and we became like fast friends after that. Um, 
and through like just life and the cool way that life works. When he started Mountain Tough in 2016, I was going to, to Fuel Fitness still, um, doing my thing. He's like, could I train you? <clears throat> because he's like, I want to train backcountry hunters because he's a longtime runner and um, has run all kinds of stuff. And so, but he'd find when he put a backpack on and go in the mountains that he didn't have the endurance that he thought he would have from running because it's two different disciplines. Like all of this is like, like, what do you want to do? And what is that puzzle? How do you figure out how to do that? Well, so he started training backcountry hunters because there was a need. No one was training them specifically. A lot of people were doing their running and doing their strength, but it's a very unique blend of that. And for me, um, Mike Wolf started the mountain project and Mike Wolf is a phenomenal runner. He's the one who puts on the rut. He started the mountain project gym in Bozeman at the same time that Dustin started mountain tough. And so both gyms, but proximity to my work, mountain tough was closer. So I was like, Mike, I'm sorry. I can't drive all the way across town to come to your gym. Um, but I started training then with Dustin one, he was my friend and two proximity was really close. And that for me was the point at which I really started dialing in my strength program because I am a hunter. Mm. I noticed the same thing. I'd, I'd run and I'm like, I can cut, I can go up and down and I can, I can walk an elk down, honestly. Um, but I started like really needing strength as the, as you get older, you lose muscle math, mass, especially running. And, um, I was like, I just need that strength component. So it worked really well for me and kind of my formula um, with Mountain Tough. Fast forward a bit, like I was in software. I did software for like eight years um, at a really great company. And I had a lot of time and flexibility to run all the time, which is awesome. But um, I came on board with Mountain Tough full time like a year and a half ago, essentially, because um, Dustin had nice. grown grown the business and um and moved to an app based as opposed to a web-based training platform moved to the app and he's training backcountry hunters um, but it's growing and growing and so i stepped on board on the business side just like my software experience and past business experience like let's keep growing this and let's keep helping people on their path so mountain tough although focused initially on the backcountry hunter um, it's a really unique training style. It is like a hybrid athlete style. It's, it's unique in and of itself. It's not CrossFit. It's not all endurance. It's not all strength. It's just this really unique blend. And so moving to the app, we're just able to meet a lot of people where they're at. So a lot, a lot along the lines of if you find running and you find it's something that you like to do, like you feel part of that community. And so the same goes for Mountain Tough the style of workouts, people working towards um, doing a backpack hunt or going on a backpack trip, wanting to go to the mountains um, or living where they live and just wanting to be fit and have a little different style, you know, thrown in. Um, our, our app kind of meets that need um, and we're getting better and better at it too. So like from a full beginner with all body weight programs to somebody who has a home gym to somebody who's going to the gym, we have programs to accommodate them um, in those blocks of training. So just pull up the app. Um, we even have like follow along style too, which are really, really awesome to do. It's just like pull it up on your TV um, or on your phone or iPad 
and just follow along because we just know that fitness is it's like a portal. It just opens up this whole other world for so many individuals. And you don't have to run like to find that out. It's awesome if you do want to run to have some sort of strength supplement in there too, but we're not like running training specifically. I just happen to love to run. Like that's something that's near and dear to me. So this style of training lends itself well to that. Um, but by and large, like one of our taglines is always ready. And Dustin, it was really like making sure that whatever it is that comes up, like you're, you, you can go and do that. And you might not be the best at it. Like if it's a race, you know, don't, if you're training in this style, like you're not going to podium because you're not training specifically for a race, but you can go and do it and you can finish it and you can walk away, um, not being cobbled too. So, um, and then in that, like we've just organically had this sort of military following, which is really cool because we're like backcountry hunting focused nice. mountain travel. And our style of training is like not a like go and PR on your deadlift style of training. It's not like I'm going to get hurt um, with these overhead lifts and that sort of stuff. So that's been really cool to see. And it's grown um, that side of the business for us too as um, – those in the military and some of these, you know, um, groups and whatnot are like, this is what we've been looking for. We've been looking for this style for a very long time. Um, and I do like, it's hard to explain the style, but it's like a blend. If you were to take you as a person and you would say, I'm a pie chart, I want this much strength and I want this much endurance. That's what mountain tough is. Like you, you find your program mm, okay. and you say, I want this much strength and this much endurance. I don't want to be too big. I do want to be fast, like, and you, you can kind of dial in a program um, specifically from there. So, yeah. That's so cool, man. It's such a cool concept. And I, I don't know of anything else like that. Like, do you guys have a lot of competitors? Cause it, I mean, I know it's kind of a niche market, I'm sure. Cause it's like, you know, from a statistic, statistical standpoint, there's not a ton of hunters or people like actually in the yeah. mountains, I guess, but like for those people that are like, that's a huge value for those people. And obviously that whole industry is growing. It seems like, especially with people getting more to trail running and I'm sure COVID was a big shift and just people getting outdoors more. <clears throat> um, but like, do you guys have a lot of competitors? Like what would, are there, any, is there anything similar that's out there? there? There isn't really anything similar to us. There's other fitness apps that are out there, of course, but when it comes to like that mountain specific style, like we want to do uphill travel, like um, under load, say, there's really not another app out there um, like us for that. Um, but like even in that like niche market, like that hunting market, it's huge. A lot of people had never like trained for the mission. Like if you have a race and you, and you get a coach or you follow a plan, you're training for that exact mission because you know that race is coming, you know the distance, all of that. Um, hunting or mountain travel or a backpack trip for that matter is a little bit different. You have a date on the schedule, but that's it. So what is the plan to get me ready for this trip that I have coming up? Or on the flip side of that, it's like, I just want to feel good in day-to-day -day life. Like I, I don't have a race. I don't aspire to run, run a race. Like, um, but I just want to feel good playing with my kids and I want my back pain to go away. It's like that, that is a big portion of it as well. It's like, we, 
just want to provide a plan for people. We don't want you to have to think about it or Google search it to try to come up with one. Because a lot of people, like a lot of guys say that are my age, like early 40s, mid 40s, somewhere in there, they're like doing the same thing they did in high school. It's like, oh, like a little bit, a little bit of chest and then back day and then leg day. And then I'm like, all of a sudden you're, you're just like, what am I doing? You know, like I, I, so to have somebody think of that for yeah. you and to have something that you're like sort of identify with too, it's like, yeah, I like the ethos behind it. Like we're really, we're really big on fitness, but we're also big on mental toughness because we know that in order to handle a lot of the actual hardships in life, like you do need to be mentally strong. So we have like mental toughness coaching, we have nutrition, um, not like specific coaching, but just general programs. We have a lot of PT and yoga also in the app. Um, although we don't nice. call it yoga, we call it mountain movement because people shy away from <laughs> yoga sometimes, yeah. but it's like so beneficial for you to do that and then feel those, um, those benefits or those side effects of that, the positive side effects. So, um, and then last but not certainly not least is like, we're really big on like, um, kind of call it the spiritual side, but like mindfulness, like, Hey, like take time for yourself. Like do, do rest. Think about what your purpose is in this life. Like you are more valuable than just being a fit person. Right. Like we just want people to understand that too. It's like, yeah, cause stuff comes up and you know, like, yeah, maybe you have an injury or you have some sort of life scenario. Don't beat yourself up because you're not in as good a shape. Just know you can get back on that path. Like when, when the time's right, you can get back on that path and you can do this for the long haul. So. I love that, man, dude. It's such a cool idea. Uh, like, it, you know, obviously for hunters that you say the military people, people that are trail running or just trying to be in the mountains. And, and I love that the slogan of like always ready. Cause that's, that's, I, I'm, I'm huge on like the functional fitness. Um, cause mm -hmm. I, like you were saying, I used to train like a bodybuilder where it's like, I do a chest and I just like bench press a bunch of weight and it's like, that's great, but it doesn't really do much for you. It's not going to help right. you, you know, like build like that longevity into your life. And so I love that it's all based around that, like functional fitness, kind of that hybrid athlete mm -hmm. thing. Um, if I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast are, are runners and trail runners, would mm -hmm. that, could that be like a good option for, for people like that? Yeah. Yeah. Like I. Um, there's a book called Unbreakable Runner, and I forget the author of it, um, but he's a CrossFitter, and it's a great book. Like you, you look it up and and buy it. Like Unbreakable Runner, um, and for me, like that was really helpful in my path to like see like a training program where um, I could supplement CrossFit in if I wanted to, and then running. And there's a whole bunch of different plans in that book. And so for me, it was like easy, like supplement mountain tough in for those CrossFit style workouts, but then be able to be able to run and do the intervals that you need to do in training for whatever length of race or style of race you're looking to do. And so um, for me, mountain tough is just that supplement. It's not CrossFit. I was like, I never... I never really did CrossFit, but I do understand like the importance of the CrossFit community and how people just feel at home there and they feel part of something and they're working towards something. So um, that like is really, really helpful in that running piece because like you do need a, you do need to have a couple strength days in there. You do need to have mobility when you're running. Um, mm -hmm. 
if you don't, like you will inevitably break down. I have a, a friend um, too who is in like that same group that would do those adventure runs that I finally got invited on. Um, he's a he is a really really fascinating individual. He's an ER surgeon. But like early in my running career, he just told me, he was like, it's really important to have seasons, especially running. If you want to do this for a long time, and he's a phenomenal runner, um, like mid-50s, like, and, and you look at him and you're like, no way, you'd be like late 30s. Like you're just like really great shape. But he's like, run, and then stop running and go ski um, and do that for that season um, or go hunt. Um and like go through these seasons because you can't just run all the time. And he would do, you know, he, he was this, he's a student of that and it's really worked well for him and a lot of other people too. Like you see it pattern because in the ultra world, like there's a lot of people that are in their sixties that are still doing it. And I guarantee yeah. you that they have that sort of seasonality. And so seasonality can be a strength program. Like it can be like a winter strength program so that you put that on, you get that durability, you get that, that protection on your joints and everything that you need. And also you retain that muscle math mass because like, uh, when you get older, as that starts going away, that's where people get like the stress fractures and they start mm -hmm. wearing down on their hips. And I talked to a guy just last week on the phone and he's 63 and he told me the same thing too. I called up because he had a question about his account and, and that sort of stuff. And he was like, just, I'm still doing this. And I really appreciate the strength side, but I also like, he ran a lot and he was like, I have two fake hips now because all I did was run, you know, like, and that's not to scare people away. It's just to say like, look at the blend and just know that you can't, it's all a puzzle. So like add in a couple different pieces, a couple different elements um, whether that's yoga for you, like go join hot yoga. Like you want to see your run and go like through the roof, do hot yoga. Like it's so difficult. Like, <laughs> and your mobility like goes through yeah. the roof. You'll feel like you're on springs, you know? Um, like that sort of, that sort of like blend is really, really helpful. And that's where mountain tough is filling that niche for some people. Um, and, uh, and hopefully more people too, as we continue to grow. So. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that you guys add in all the other stuff like the the yoga or the mountain movement, as you call it, the mm -hmm. mindfulness stuff. It's like a full, like all encompassing kind of app. I, I love just the yeah. mission and like the just because there's nothing else like it out there. Um, I I think you gave me access to it. I need to dive into it a little bit more because like I I strength train like four to five times a week. Um, okay. But I do feel like I would just want to learn more and like see yeah. what like how you guys trained, especially for myself as I'm getting more into these ultras and like the hunter miler specifically in these mountain races. Cause it's like, mm -hmm. that's another good point too, of like somebody like me who lives not in a mountainous area, that's where yeah. I think the strength stuff comes yeah. into play even more. Cause if, if I'm trying to train here where it's totally flat, not on trails or anything, I have to supplement some other way to like get, try and get some of that mountain training. Big um, time. so that'd Big probably time. be a, a great, uh, a great, piece as well i love that um yeah and the seasonality thing is huge too like it's a, i think it helps prevent ver burnout mentally um oh, also because it's 100%. if you're just running it's uh it's gonna kill you mentally at some point too so i think yeah switching it up and having the seasons and um yeah the strength training is huge for injury prevention obviously what is uh what is your 
so I know you, you said business development's kind of your, your title there. What's like your, your sort of day-to-day duties look like? Yeah, I, I, I'm just helping expand the reach. So we have, we have a small team, we have seven full-time um, folks too. And so just having conversations, even like meeting somebody like you and then like through Colin, um, having those conversations, like uh, that all came up out of like Sorenex's Winter Strong event that they do. Like I'm, I never met Colin before, right? And so it's just like, I, I love the network. Like I love seeing where, how this, this world is so small and how you can help connect. And so on the business side, that's great for me because I, I do love fitness. I love like seeing people like tap into their full potential. So being able to expand that reach with Mountain Tough is really, really unique um, for me. So I'm passionate about that. Um, and I just, I like, I like getting conversations started and just seeing where they go. It's kind of that, that whole thing is the plan is to have the conversation and then out, out of that, like something great will typically happen. Um, there's, there's always a reason for everything. So I'm like, that, that for me is the big, the big piece with Mountain Tough, expanding the reach. I blend a little bit into marketing, although I don't geek out on marketing. Um, but yeah, we'll call it sales of sorts, but it's a pretty easy thing to sell uh, when it comes down to it. It's like, yeah, just try it out. Like on your journey, yeah. this may fit. Um, this may be like the perfect solution to you where you're at right now. And you will benefit from committing to something. Like commit to the plan. And then just know that the plan changes and, and you can adjust um, as needed. So, so yeah, day to day, a lot of conversations, a lot of, lot of, lot of emails, text messages. Since I started at Mountain Tough, I'm like, I've never had this many like text messages for business on my phone ever. <laughs> it was like always software. It was always email and phone calls. And I'm like, now I'm like, I have a lot of phone calls. I have a ton of text messages. It's like my network is just like blown up. Um, and it's really fun to get to share with people, you know, like it's fun to get to share my experiences. Cause I think that that's valuable to have those and share them. Um, and, um, and then network, I'm like how I never meet, you know, somebody like you and you're going to come back and run Bighorn. Not that I get to go down there and like crew you or pace you, but I can definitely share with you. Like the race doesn't start till jaws, you know, like <laughs> that was shared with me. I'm going to share that with you too. So. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I need that. I need that. Um, I love that though, man. Like just the, the, like, I'm sure, you know, the hunting and running communities are so similar. I feel like, cause it's, again, it's kind of a niche thing, you know, from like the general population, it's a very small percentage. Uh, but because of that, it's such a tight knit community. Everybody knows everybody. And mm-hmm. I feel like now like trail running and backcountry hunting are kind of becoming like interconnected, which is really cool. Yep. Um, one thing I definitely wanted to ask you about, is uh, so one of my buddies and I were starting this this uh, running community brand called Switchback, uh, mm-hmm. and we're gonna really lean into like trail running. We're starting with electrolytes, uh, so it's like yeah. one part like high quality endurance supplements like electrolytes, and mm-hmm. then the other part's gonna be like a big focus on in person events and running events and stuff. And yeah, uh, like I mean, it sounds like trying to do something with you guys would be absolutely perfect. Um, do you guys yeah. do a lot of in person events or community things? We, since we're a small team, like it's hard for us to do the in-person, um, pieces just because with life. Um, but we just had our first like big community event called tough fest. It was in June. So that was like 
on site at our facility like all day like uh, there was a fitness component to it but there was like a lot of speakers and that sort of stuff as well so um, we're always game to help support and help spread the word about any of that stuff um, oftentimes we can't make it ourselves to those events but fellow mountain tuppers usually like with with the community as large as it is are just like yeah I'm in like I'll be there um, to to help um, whatever it may be but yeah those, those sort of little like call and pop up style events like yeah. we have some like in the works too or we're just like oh it'd be so cool to be able to pull this off like everybody all at once you know same time same place just different location or same time same date different location um but yeah we're we're always game um and then it, even if it comes down to just like a plan for um a race it's, while we don't have like a 5k 10k that sort of stuff it's like we do have really really good um, functional fitness to just get you moving and get you feeling good so you can go do that so we're always game we should talk for sure and see how we can help out because um, we're we're big on that as well it's like even on the nutrition side it's like there's a lot of these little things that people can do and we're in it in an era where we can learn all of this stuff and then we can go and utilize it. So you don't have to take that like three to five years like I took of just being <laughs> devastated and trying to figure it out. Like you you can learn from other people and then put that all into a year and then go be successful in what you're doing a lot sooner. So heck yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's thanks to people like you and, and your personal sacrifices <laughs> so that we can all learn from your mistakes. <laughs> I mean, I'm not that smart of a person in a lot of regards, but just just stubborn enough to be like, Oh yeah. I'm, like, I'm hobbling. Great. <laughs> it's great. That, it's great that you guys now, like all of you guys putting your own experiences, your own knowledge and everything into this, this really amazing app. Um, so I think, I know, I hope some people that are listening to this will go check it out. I'm definitely going to dive into it some more. Um, yeah. but dude, this was a ton of fun. I know you're a busy guy. You probably got a million phone calls and emails and text all messages. Right. To, oh, I'm just, to I'm off to, off to Michigan. So I'm like, now, now I'll be, uh, vacation um although my brother-in-law in michigan he and his co-workers have been doing mountain tough for a really long time they were some of the like early adopters of mountain tough and like they are religious about it at their work they have a gym at their work and a couple of them are hunters but then a couple of other guys that do mountain tough every day at noon um like they just they just love mountain tough it's like yeah they're not even not even hunters but they as uh, colleagues at their work they just go do mountain tough and he my brother-in-law still says like he's like there's still people like every day they've been doing this since like 2018 like that are just like what are you guys doing like why are you sweating so much <laughs> and they just have rolled it into their routine and it just fits their lifestyles you know so that my my brother-in-law will say like when i want to go like help the neighbor move a chest freezer because that comes up it's like my back doesn't hurt me for <laughs> yep. however many days afterwards but but i'm like i always go and try to get a workout or two in with them at their work gym which is which is pretty fun in michigan which i was like you guys you guys That's are hard awesome. chargers so but yeah man it's so funny that, how like people that. that are getting it's funny how people that are getting after it like if you you know have a healthy diet you exercise every day like you seem so crazy to the average person. It's like, it's so yeah. wild to me. <laughs> yeah, we had, like, there was, there was a guy that emailed in and he was like, I just have to tell you guys, I was at the gym on the rower and, and he's going to town 
in one of our one of our workout programs, preseason prep, and uh, he had picked that machine for his cardio portion. And there's another dude that came and got on the machine right next to him. And they both are just like going to town on the rowers. And they looked over and they're like, you doing mountain tough? And both of them were doing mountain tough. And I was like, that's, <laughs> that's when we know like we're doing the right thing is like two people at the gym, not just one, um, are both side by side. And they're like, they don't know each other, but they both just happen to say like, you're working really hard. You must be doing mountain tough. So... <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, dude. That's so, yeah, that's how you guys know you're making an impact too, is like when the community starts growing and that word of mouth, I'm sure is so powerful with, with that kind of thing too. Yeah. Yeah. Like just, yeah. People finding something, um, saying, yep, this is something that I like line up with, identify with, um, whether that's running, but I always put like, I always say to you, like, just know that you're not defined by being a runner or being a mountain tougher or being a hunter or just this or just that. Like you're so much more like you're, you're a capable human being. You are like made, like you are very, very special and unique and you have a lot of, a lot to offer this world. So like let fitness be the portal that makes that evident to you. Um, I can say that for even me, like in my journey, it's like, gosh, like, yeah, if I don't get a run, that's okay. Like, that's okay. But I've got all of these less life lessons that I apply in my family, my, you know, my work life, all of that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's a, yeah, fitness in general is just, it's so spectacular in that, fat, in that regard. So just make sure you key into those little things um, and be conscious of those lessons that you're learning in a short amount of time because they'll pay off dividends when you know, you have cancer pop up or a death in the family, um, or you lose your job, you know, that sort of stuff, or somebody's really tough to work with. It's like, shoot, you're, it's no big deal. I'm like, I'm like, it's just like a race, just pace it out. You'll, you'll be fine. You know, like take a deep breath, have some food reset and everything will be just fine. So, yeah. Dude, that's, that's beautifully said, man. Let's end it right there. I love that. Cool. Cool. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Uh... Thanks for listening to me. Thanks. Oh, of course, dude. I I love this, man. I I love, uh, like I said, I love hearing people's origin stories and like more about, you know, their, their perspective and their thought process. And it's like, I just love learning from people and and getting to know somebody. It's like, when else would we have been able to just sit on a, a a call and chat for an hour and a half? It's like, I don't know. It's fun. I love, I love podcasting so much. So thanks for coming on, dude. Yeah. You should, uh, when you come back up to Montana, we'll go on a mountain run and we'll, yeah, we'll just go. Friggin' I, I have to, I'm like, yeah, it's like a podcast on steroids. Like go wander yeah. in the mountains for a while and then just see what conversations come up. Cause that's pretty, pretty special as well. So, but yeah, more than welcome. As long as I can keep up with you. Oh no, you want, you want every problem. Long- I'm slow and steady, man. I'm like, I, I'm just slow and steady. So yeah, that's good. I love it, dude. Well, where's the, where's the best place for people to uh, connect with you or, or if they want to get connected with mountain tough? Yeah, like if uh, if anybody want to reach out to me, Weston W E S T O N at mtntough.com, um, just reach out for sure. Like that's that's part of my job. So if you're interested in it, reach out to me directly. Um, but check out Mountain Tough underscore Fitness um, on yeah the socials, all that stuff. Um, we're out there, but you can go to mountaintough.com learn more about the app as well, and you can check it out. There's like a 14 day free trial on it, so just check it out and see. 
if it's something that fits the bill um, to you and your life and your lifestyle, um, we're trying to fill that need definitely. Um, even like the mental toughness piece, like you can do a free trial and do the mental toughness course. It's kind of like, hey, it's there's no fitness involved in it other than mental fitness. So it's like, yeah, just journal for 10 minutes in the morning and like learn some stuff about yourself. And then uh, hopefully we're, we're impactful um, in our own way on your life and that you go and you flourish because of that. So, yeah. Beautiful. Thanks again, Wes. And this was a blast, man. Yeah, appreciate it for sure. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe to the channel, leave a review, and share it with a friend. And thank you to our sponsors of this episode, 2before Performance Nutrition. Use the code JMiller for $10 off your order at 2before.com, and you can feel the powerful benefits of New Zealand blackcurrant berries. We'll see you in the next one.